0: Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590.
1: Welcome back, everybody. This is Gardening Naturally, and it's um, a really, really, really hot day again. And we're going to repeat that for the next several days saying how hot it is because we just can't get a break. Um, I don't know when, if we will get a break, it looks like from now till Saturday, we're still in 105 or above degree temperatures. That is brutal. That is brutal. The only thing we can do and one of the most important is to preserve as much water as you can. I truly empathize with those who are in communities where you can't water at all. I know that stage five was called in several of them and that that is no outdoor watering zero. And that's not just talking about watering your landscape that talks about filling your swimming pool. And, um, that's not, uh, that's not a great way to wanna to spend summer. So, only thing we can do is to work to build up better soil. The biology of the soil, the little itty bitty bacterium, the fungi, the little itty-bitty critters that are running around in the dirt. For those of you who uh, watch the Ant-Man movies, there is a a species of tardigrade, the little bears, that exist in the soil. Now, they're really, really small, but they tear the soil up. They get rid of bad bugs they decompose what's left there and they provide better soil when they're present. Fortunately, they're pretty drought tolerant. They're not the best we could have, but there are, those are the kind of critters that we want in the soil. Lots and lots and lots of them. There is no too many. The best way to improve the soil is the addition of organic matter. The organic matter is food for these little buggers that are making nutrients available to your plants, that are storing nutrients and water, that are taking your clay soils and turning them into something that's much fluffier, that you want to use for your garden. These critters need water. And if you've got a bare patch of ground that there's just no moisture there, they're not going to grow there. This is why we talk about mulching. You can use almost anything for mulch. decomposed granite stone, um, cardboard. And mulch doesn't have to be a certain kind of mulch. You don't need chopped cedar. You can use pine bark. You can use a shredded tree. It's not the color or type that makes the difference what the difference is, is having mulch. It really works to keep the soil cool and to maintain moisture in the soil. When we're not getting rain, moisture is the only thing we have to keep us going. If you dry out a chunk of soil, whether it's your garden bed, a flower bed, your front lawn. You need to restore all of those critters that were there. The problem is to restore all of these critters, you need to give them moisture and food. That's where molasses falls in and can be a really big beneficial. When you use the liquid molasses or products like Medina Plus or Medina Soil Activator, they provide carbohydrates to the soil, which is food for the little critters. And the more of that soil biology you have, the easier it is to maintain water, the better the tilt of the soil. And those critters are really important in taking nutrients that already exist in the soil, but happen to be in a form that the plant can't eat. I mean, we need copper in our bloodstream. Well, eating a penny is not gonna put copper in our bloodstream. We need the copper to be in a form that's soluble and can be taken up by ourselves. The same thing happens to our plant. That's that's the important use of the soil biology to convert nutrients to usable forms. Let's go to the phone. This is Paul. Paul, what can I help you with? Hi. Yes, I uh, have a bunch of bamboo that looks like it's, not going to survive. I'm not sure if it can make it or not, but I'm just curious if you could give advice on how to help help it make it through this summer. Water. That's it? Just okay. Yeah, bamboo is a fantastic plant in the fact it doesn't need huge amounts of fertilizer. It is a grass plant, but right now in this heat, all the plants are taking a huge beating because we haven't had any rain. So water will be one thing, and it will be highly unlikely, Paul, that this weather will kill your bamboo. It can look pretty bad for a while, but it should come back. The culms will be dormant, basically. And when water is provided and the temperature lowers, you'll see them putting on new shoots. Okay. Well, I'll just try to keep it enough to stay alive then. Cause it the, looks like the leaves are gone. Yeah. Yeah. Now just out of curiosity, when you well, say the leaves you. are gone, it. you're pretty, you're bye sure bye. that's no insect, right? Guess not anyway. Yeah. It will hang on. It will still be there. It will do its job. That is one that is uh, a particularly tough plant, but it can look bad. Those of you with uh, Bermuda lawns, you're gonna see this too. Your Bermuda will look horrid. If you can't provide it the water it needs, that inch a week, it will look terrible, it will turn brown, it'll be crispy and ugly, but the first time we get any decent amount of rain, it'll start growing back that's one of the features of bermuda's drought tolerance it can handle this weather it'll look terrible but once we get some rain back you won't have to replace it it'll make a reappearance for you folks this is gardening naturally um we need to take a break we'll be right back
0: this is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Um, one person, uh, I, I just did that tree hugger advertisement, and someone has texted a question about how many gallon capacity. This is a sprinkler. It doesn't hold any water. You hook it up to your garden hose, and depending on how hard you turn your garden hose on determines how much water you will get out of the sprinkler. So there's no – the tree huggers are simply a sprinkler that you can put completely around the trunk of the tree, and you can direct the water – you can make it just dribble out if you've got a new planting and a small tree, or you can make it spray a little bit so that you can get it out to where the root zone is. So that's what they're used for. I love mine. I have a 11 inch one and I put it around. We planted a new um, lace bark elm because I, ha- I lost. One to the ice storm. <clears throat> and when we planted the new one, it's got this tree hugger around it, and I got quick connect. So I run the hose out, click, it's connected, turn the hose on, and I get just the right amount of water where I need it. I love it. The tree is doing fantastic and is uh, really becoming quickly established. So that's how that works. It doesn't hold water itself. It is every bit you need, every drop you can preserve right now is important. So try to keep that in mind, okay? Let's go to the phone. This is Mike. Mike, what can I help you with?
2: uh yes i'm a few Park here and of course we a huge freeze uh and i've got eight native le- five oaks fairly large in my front yard big cluster lost uh massive parts of them uh we trimmed them back you know best we could and i've got some that were basically a stick some people said take them out anyway they're you know 10 12 14 feet tall And I've got sprouts now coming out in multiple locations, two feet long, three feet. You know, they're recouping, even though they didn't have limbs there at the time. So, you know, in kind of theory, I'm bringing down the canopy, I guess, to some extent. At what point do I look at these and say, which ones are dominant, which ones can start becoming hopefully a better tree again?
1: Those shoots are coming from the root. They're not likely to be acorns that fell off the tree and got started. You can cut those flush to the ground. And if you're in an area where they can be mowed, if you get out there and keep it mowed, you won't see these shoots. Can they be become a new tree? They can become a new tree. But they may not be as healthy as the original tree they sprouted from in the roots.
2: But they're not. These are these sprouts are coming off the main trunk.
1: Yeah, I would remove those flush to the trunk.
2: Okay, just the ones towards the top. Potentially leave those. Yeah. Okay. As I'm saying, there's there's sprouts at different different levels and different ones, so basically try to leave the upper ones there and start. When should I trim back the small ones?
1: <clears throat> or the now lower ones, I'm ba- sorry. Now is not a bad time. It's the lowest risk of oak wilt time. Okay. But that being said, if your tree is doing what you're describing, it may not be long for this world. Really? Just because? Okay. Yeah, just because it's putting on all these sprouts, that is uh, that is a s- I- indication that the tree may have been really damaged by the freezes, and you lost okay. all of those branches. It may be worth your while, especially if you've got a lot of them and they're important to you, to have an arborist come out and look at them and tell you this tree's okay this tree's a maybe, this tree needs to go. I was brokenhearted and lost two in the freeze where I thought they were like what you're seeing. I've got all these shoots coming out of them, so they must be alive, right? It's right. Um, It's a survival mechanism. It can be, they are all right, but it's really hard to tell if you're not real sure of what you're dealing with. So. Okay. Trim up the old ones, if you want. You have
2: a you have a good arborist that would come out at yeah. uh, obviously a reasonable price to give some opinion and point of view on it?
1: I'm going to do an ad for one here in a little bit. Okay. Um, and there are lots of good arborists. There are a lot of tree companies in the area, um, and you can check with them. You're in Cedar Park.
2: Uh, Just barely, uh, I'm in uh, 620 area, Ranch Road 620 area.
1: Okay, that's um, Davey Tree works out of that area. You could give them a a check and see. They will send somebody else and tell you. uh, Davey. Oh, Davey. Okay. Davey Tree. They'll send somebody out and have a long conversation with you. And if stuff needs to be cut, then they'll send a crew out.
2: Okay. Well, that sounds worthwhile, Then I mean, they are important to us. I mean, it's it's my only big group of trees, and it's a large canopy. So I want to try to save as much of it as I can. I already did a lot of work on it. Okay. Sounds good.
1: Thanks for the call, Mike.
2: All right. Thank you.
1: Let's go to the phone. This is Elizabeth. Elizabeth, what can I help you with?
3: Good morning, Jeff. Um, I have a question about uh, lava rock mulch. I inherited some when I bought a house last year. And it's on top of a raised bed. It's about 12 feet by 2 feet. And this rock is probably 4 inches deep. Um... I want to move it or get rid of it or make use of it somehow. Is it good for anything? I'm not a big fan of rock mulches, but uh, I wonder Other if I could being...
1: incorporate it into the soil somehow. Got any ideas? Well, you might want to try that, uh, folding it into the soil, because it will create, especially if you have a clay soil, it will create a breathing room in the soil there'll be room for water and oxygen things like that but that's pretty big stone and that can be a problem for you in the amount you're describing you would need a very very big bed to incorporate all of that into it so it may be easier to simply remove it and use something else as a mulch And you can grow plants in that bed, but you don't have to have the stone be the mulch for you. And if you remove it and you, like, rinse it off, you could probably Craigslist it or something. Somebody may come and pick it up for you.
3: Okay. All right. Um, Yeah, it's big, chunky stuff. You know, it's, like, anywhere from an inch to to two inches. And... um, Uh, I know it's hydroscopic, so it might be useful somewhere, but some plants don't like that. So I wasn't real sure. I appreciate your advice.
1: Well, uh, you got some work ahead of you, but it will be just fine removing it other than the labor.
3: Right. Yeah. It's kind of hard to shovel.
1: (laughs) Yep. All right. Yep. Thank you. You bet, Elizabeth. Thank you for the call. Yeah, folks. um, That's one of the things about landscapes. If you build your landscape a certain way and you sell your home, the person who buys it now has a landscape that that's not what they wanted or it is what they wanted. Um, so that gets to be a bit of a problem. It's not terrible. Uh, you can slowly rework a landscape, but that's one of the trade offs of buying someone else's home. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're at the bottom of the hour. We need to break for the news. Adam, I see you there. I'll catch you on the other side.
0: This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Um, let's go to the phone. This is Adam. Adam, what can I help you with?
4: Hey, couple of questions. Uh, so, number one, I have a uh, about four foot Monterey oak I put it in the ground a couple months back, back before this uh, nice little heat wave, and uh, everything was doing fine. Watering it intermittently um, is green one day, and then next day. <laughs> all the leaves are brown and uh i mean it literally happened in, in a matter of a day um just wonder if there's any hope for it if there's anything i can do any kind of mitigation measures i can do to maybe help that thing come back when you
1: say when you say water intermittently what does that mean uh about once a week if it's a good deep soaking that should be okay for it This kind of heat can do that to the tree, defoliate it. Go out to the branches, see if the tips are still supple. See if there are any new buds at the ends of the branches, Uh, at a far out end of a branch with bad leaves on it. Give it a little scratch on the bark and see if it's green underneath. There are several things that can cause a tree to defoliate and just drop everything at the wrong time of the year. Most trees can handle doing that at least one time and recovering just fine in the same season. Some trees can do it up to three times in a single season and still survive and come back. You don't, you don't have much of an option considering the temperatures we're dealing with. If there was some way to uh, provide it maybe more water, or if there was a way to uh, somehow provide it with some shade in the afternoon, I know that sounds silly, that tree should be in full sun but it's 105 right. degrees, you know? There are yeah. limits on to what these plants can do. I think
4: yeah. it will recover. Okay, um, I'll, I'll definitely try that. So next, next I have uh, some oaks that are in pots. At about 12 foot, I have a live oak, a Monterey and a Schumerd. And uh, these are in partial shade under a post oak. And uh, I water those since they're in pots every other day. Uh, But I'm still getting, you know, browning and leaves are starting to drop. Um, Just wondering if I should switch to everyday watering on those?
1: Probably not. When you go
4: to water,
1: stick your fingers as deep as you can into the container between the trunk of the tree and the edge of the container and see, is it damp? Can you still feel moisture there? If you can, you don't need to water. There is a possibility that you're watering too much. Too much care like that can cause the conditions you're seeing. And I can easily say, nope, it's just like the others. This heat is killing us. But you may be watering a bit much. And again, these trees should recover.
4: Okay, I mean, I sure hope so. Um, Okay, really appreciate everything, Jeff. Thanks for the call, Adam, and good luck.
1: Yeah, folks, you can be giving everything perfect conditions that it's supposed to have. It's 105 degrees out. That is not anywhere near normal some of these plants let's go to the phone this is Dan Dan what can I help you with Dan are you there not sure where he went um sound like I heard a click there maybe he dropped off anyway don't don't kill a plant with kindness Ah, I got it. Dana, not Dan. Sorry. Dana, what can I help you with? Dana, are you there?
5: Yes, Jeff, I am. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, A couple of weeks ago, you were mentioning how your lantanas were blooming and so beautiful. And I've got three. They're about two two months old. Uh, I was going to send you pictures, but I I haven't. they're big, they're full, and they're not blooming. I have tried a 533 fertilizer and then I quit fertilizing them. I think I'm giving them enough water and not too much. What do I do?
1: You said they've only been in the ground a little bit.
5: I have these in containers, um, because I, I wanted to bring them in, you know, during the winter, um, and the containers are not getting too hot. They are on my back porch. Uh, they're thick containers, um, so they're in containers.
1: How long have they been there? <clears throat> um,
5: in the containers, about two months, but they're, they're big. They're about a, a foot and a half tall.
1: Yeah, they can get size on them, and it can take a while for them to really get established before they may start blooming for you. Now... They are not in desperate need of fertilizer. You didn't hurt them. That was not super bad fertilizer by any means. Those are nice numbers, but they don't really need a whole lot more. Um, if you're watering them, they are probably, you know, wet to dry cycle in the containers when they're really dry and deep, they should get water. But it could be they're just young yet.
5: Well, but they were were blooming when I bought them. I'm wondering if I need to trim them. I just sent you a couple of pictures.
1: Yeah, that will help. Trimming will not hurt them. Um, You want to make sure that you're cutting off the old blossom. And what will happen is they'll put on new growth and they'll bloom for you again. But... Trimming them will make a big difference. Uh, Maybe you cut back no more, no more than one-third, and you really shouldn't have to cut back that much. Maybe a quarter, just so that you can uh, encourage them to bloom again.
5: Okay. One of them is a bushy one, and then the other two seem to be those that Sort of have legs on them, and so I'll certainly trim those up, and then make sure that I get the uh, the old buds off the bushy ones.
1: Yeah, Um, the ones that have that seem to sprawl. They don't get real tall. They sprawl out. Right, exactly. They they tend to be a purple or a white. Those are the most common of the trailing lantanas that they have, and they should respond the same way. When they put on a bloom, let them bloom. Enjoy it. Really let it, you know, just shine. But when those flowers start to fall off, when the petals turn ugly, trim off deadhead that flower, and that will encourage new growth and new blooming.
5: Okay. All right. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you for the call, Dana, and have some faith in them. I cannot believe how well mine have done in this heat. These should also do well for you. Let's see here. This is important, folks. This is one of those get out early in the morning and do it. But when the bloom is finished, cut it off. Plants bloom for the purpose of creating seeds. If the bloom is removed, the plant goes, oh, wow, I I can't make seeds. I can't survive. So it will bloom again in an effort to make those seeds. Cut off the dead blooms will encourage new blooms from the same plant. Doesn't take a lot of time, and you don't have to remove a lot of the plant. Like I said, you should probably never cut off more than a third of the plant. When we're talking midsummer lantanas or something like that, they don't need uh, they don't need that kind of hackback. But just remove the dead blooming, folks. This is gardening naturally. We're up against a break. We'll be right back.
0: This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590.
1: Hey, welcome back, everybody. <clears throat> if you are planning to go out today in your garden, it's nearly 10 o'clock. It is already 76. Plus degrees, and the humidity is pretty high. Not the most pleasant situation to be out in. So make sure you protect yourself. Stay hydrated. Protect yourself from the sun. That's nasty, nasty sunburns, and you know it. It, it is increases the risk of skin cancers, age spots, all kinds of things. So make sure you're protected to go out there. And in reality, you should have been already out there. As soon as you got up, could get dressed, head outside. Finish what you can before it gets to be unbearable before it gets to be dangerous heat. For you, your plants, the, live, uh, the the wildlife that's running around, we're taking a beating, folks, and there's no nice way around it. It is horrendous. So if you have that five gallon bucket, Remember, put it in your shower. That little bit of water seems like a little bit of water, but we haven't had any in in weeks. Every drop counts. Um, And remember, don't overpressurize those hoses. Don't leave them on at the hose. Turn the spigot off when you're done using it. A burst hose, and you're going to flood lots of gallons of water in no time at all. And you're going to have to pay for it. So do those simple things. There's not a lot we can do to make water. It's not like we can make it appear out of nowhere. But we can make sure that when we use our water and where we get it from, we are doing everything possible to ensure we're not wasting it. No leaks, no drips, no burst hoses, things like that. And I'm seeing more and more folks commenting on the fact that they're putting in, they're putting in, hmm, they're changing out their landscape so that they have just as much beauty, but they're mostly plants that are much better adapted to our environment than turf grass. There are so many beautiful blooming plants out there. I have got the prettiest yellow bed of lantana I can think of. Been one of my best years for it. My salvias are hanging in there. Not the purple blooming salvias, not the Texas sage, but the reds, the pinks, the blues, trim them back after they bloomed, and they will bloom again. They can handle our environment, and they can give you some great, great color. I have um, Mexican honeysuckle, justica, growing orange blooms on it all over. My turks cap, lots of flowers on it yet. My hummingbirds come by every day and thank me for that. I have, let's see, a uh, blackfoot daisy. Wow, can't say enough about it. It is this simple little plant, and it does great in poor soil. As a matter of fact, you treat it too good, and it won't survive. These are things that we need to start integrating into our land- landscapes. By having these there, we are going to maintain the beauty we're looking for, and we're going to keep the ground covered. A plant growing is a mulch, okay, because its leaves will cover the soil and help keep them cooler. So more growing plants, the less damage from the heat of the sun. The more water that's preserved. I have Creeping Germander that I put in, and I can honestly tell you I have never put a drop of water on it in the last several years. And it's around the base of a mailbox along the edge of the road. And it just goes about its business and puts on this pretty purple flower, even in this hot temperature. There are plenty of plants that you can use in all kinds of places. Uh, comment here. Those of you who have rain barrels, you go to use your garden hose, and it's full of that super hot water, and you don't want to waste it, and you don't want to burn your plants up consider turning it on into a rain barrel. Yeah, unless your rain barrel is full, which I would find amazing right now, you can take that super hot water, dump it in the rain barrel where it will cool down. And then you can use it on your plants. That way you don't have to worry about that 150 degree temperature heat coming out of that hose and just not doing good things for your environment there. That will scald you, if not the plants. So there's a simple trick. Thanks, Jeff. Um, There's a simple trick to be able to still use the water, but not use it when it's so hot and damaging. And In this heat, early in the mornings, let me rephrase that. In this heat, when it's too hot to be outside, you should be sitting down with a piece of paper and drawing out where you could put rainwater capture around your home. Where could you put a barrel? What would you need to do to direct the water into that barrel? Do you need gutters? Are you capable of putting up your own gutters? you should be taking into account all of this while we're not getting rain. You're not out there working in the heat, you're working inside and you're planning. That way when we finally get rain, you're ready and you can collect it and not put yourself in this position again. Hopefully, hopefully not put yourself in this position again. It's really funny when you have rainwater, you start being very stingy with it. You're happy to have it and it's really good for your plants, but every time you use it, you're like, oh, I don't have any more rain and it's not going to rain again. That's what it's for. It's hard to, it's hard to give up, but you will appreciate how it keeps everything looking good. Folks, it's, Uh, the end of the show. It's Sunday. Go out. If you still can bear the heat, have a wonderful day. Check out your garden, see what it needs, and get prepared when it gets too hot to come in and start making those plans. This is Gardening Naturally. I will talk to you all again next Saturday at 9. Have a good weekend.